Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Fight Night podcast. I'm Gareth A. Davies. Spencer Oliver in the studio with me this week. Well, first of all, we began by speaking to Eddie Hearn after his fighter, Jack Catterall, had beaten Jorge Linares. Now, I would have liked to see him step on the gas a little yeah. bit more after he hurt Linares, but you also understand that Linares, you know, he can punch and he was trying to time him with that backhand and walk him onto shots. But I think also Jack probably one eye on what's next as well. You don't want to be slipping up in a fight like Jorge Linares, but probably gave him a little bit too much respect down the straight, would have liked to see him turn the screw a little bit, but a dominant performance and, you know, really a boxing masterclass against, as you say, a three-division world champion. And and where is he going next? I think that the fight that, as we saw with Wood Warrington the other week, as we saw with Smith Eubank, and as we're going to see with Ben against Eubank as well, the British fights, they work. You know, the bad blood, the build-up, and I think no, none so more than the rematch between Josh Taylor and Jack Catter. I mean, you've seen Josh Taylor going at it on social media tonight. I think it's the fight to make. Every fighter wants to win a world title. And I think everybody feels Jack Catter should have won, not just one, but all of those belts. But if we can't get the Haney Progray winner, which we've got coming up in December, I would like to see him rematch Josh Taylor. I think it's the right fight for both guys. Great. And that, that was a great build-up with Progray and Haney. A lot of fun there in the background and some great videos made. Really looking forward to that. It's a fantastic fight. Um, I saw you mentioned Ben and Eubank just there, um, Connor Ben and Chris Eubank. I saw you mention in the week in a couple of interviews that the fight might even be made by this weekend. How far away are you from that now? Um, yeah, look, this, this fight, as far as we're concerned, is going to happen. And, you know, obviously we want to go December 23rd, but we're being told, and I guess it's unconfirmed rumours, that Furiousic might go on that fight that fight date as well. So we have to see if we move that to to January, sorry. And, you know, I'm, I think we're going to move forward and make the fight in the UK. I think uh, this country needs that fight. It's a mega fight. We can sell a stadium out for that fight. And we're going to move forward this week and try and get it done. And and the final thing before Spence uh, asks you a couple of questions about some very salient things about your fighters at the moment and the fights they should be in. Anthony Joshua, has that progressed through the week, his next no, outing? 
No, well, he's been in the darkness for a few days. That's right, he, yeah. You know, Paid two grand to be in the dark for I four spoke days. To him, yeah. I spoke to him, so actually, after speaking to him, I actually fancy a go myself, to be honest with you. It's, it you couldn't handle like, it. No you phone. couldn't. You're too much of a workaholic to do that. No it's meant phone, to be very no good, social you know. Media, no stick, no, no, you know, just like. You come out a changed man, you know. You'd maybe, come maybe. Um, but he wants to fight, you know. It's like, really. The fight to make, as we know, is the Deontay Wilder fight. But that fight, for many reasons, isn't happening in, in January. But we still want to make that fight. And talks continue with them and Shelley Finkel to do that fight, probably in March or April. But he's got this thing in his head about three fights in 2023. And I said to him, look, you know, your, your first fight this year was in April. So you can still get your three fights in. But he just wants to get back in camp and out to fight. And he appreciates that fight won't be a mega fight if he fits one in before Deontay Wilder. But that is still the focus. And we are considering, again, him on the 23rd as well. But we kind of wait to see what happens next week in, in Saudi Arabia um, to see if they're going to move forward on the 23rd. Come out of the and, dark, and, AJ. That's what i got to Ed, say. Eddie, yeah. what sort of opponents are you looking at for Anthony Joshua? I mean, Zale Zhang was a name that you'd mentioned before. Is that someone that's a, a possibility? Yeah, I think it's a good fight. I mean, we looked at Zhang before. If there was an offer to do that fight in Beijing or to look at that fight in the UK, I think it makes sense. You know, a lot of the guys that we've talked about before, Philip Hergovic, Otto Walin, there's a lot happening in the IBF at the moment. AJ could be in line for a world title shot for that fight in the new year as well. Um, Kabayao has been mentioned, you know, we appreciate it won't be a mega fight, but he's okay with that. He wants to get back in the ring and keep himself active while he waits for those mega fights. You know, really, there's two fights that AJ needs to have before he retires, and that's Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Sure. And, you know, for me, I think he has to have those fights next year. And, mm. and that's the plan. But mm. what he's not going to do is being active like a lot of these guys. You look at Deontay Wilder, he hasn't boxed in over a year. And that was a 45-second blowout in his, in, his, in, in his last fight. You know, um, Andy Ruiz, these kind of guys, they're fighting like once a year. Mm. So I think if AJ can box three times in nine months, I think that that's good for his career. But ultimately, what he wants, we want, and, and the British public want, is the biggest fights out there. And really, he's boxed everyone sure. outside of Wilder and Fury. Sure. And Eddie, back to Jack Catterall as well. You know, <laughs> he was talking about the possibility of a rematch with Josh Taylor, a fight that everybody would like to see. Would that be a catchway at all? Yeah, I think it would have to be. I mean, I think Josh Taylor made it clear he wants to move up to 147. I think his days at 140 are numbered. And I don't have a problem with 143, you know, I don't want to say 144 because I'd have to get approval from Jamie Moore and Jack Catterall. But I don't see the problem with, with a catch weight for that fight. If it's not a championship, then, you know, ultimately the fight is about the history. It's about the bad blood. It's about the narrative of what happened last time and, and, and trying to put the wrongs right in Jack Catterall's mind. But Josh Taylor's a spiteful individual you know, in the ring and out the ring. And I love the build-up. I love the tenacity and, you know, and the volatility that he would bring to those press conferences. And there's a huge amount of bad blood between the teams and the fans. And, mm. and they're the kind of fights you want to be involved with. And sure. so, you know, for us, it's, it's definitely a priority to make early 2024. Sure. And Eddie, I wanted to touch on something else that you talked about as well. And that was about your fighters and some of the fighters that don't want to take the risks and the fights that you want to get on and make them more 50-50 and stuff. And you're saying that, you know, fighters that are turning fights down that you're maybe even looking at, you know, taking your stable down or, or letting some of those fighters go if they don't take the risk that they should take. And I think that's great for the sport, by the way, because I think we need that more. We need more fights where the fighters do get in there with the fighters that you put on the table to make them more 50-50 because it's only going to enhance the sport, isn't it? It is. And I think there's, there's two things. One is, 
you know, we know that you, you see Showtime who have been, you know, a huge part of the, the growth and the history of boxing over the last couple of decades. And the purses are getting out of control of fighters that don't deliver the commercial value back in that return. Sure. So it's twofold here. Number one is making sure that, you know, every fighter deserves to be rewarded. But in the fights that actually, you know, the number's got to be right. It's got to have the value. It's got to put bums on seats. It's got to drive subscribers and viewership. And you do that by making great fights. So I don't have a problem paying the money. But I think what we have to stop, and when I say we, not just Matram, but all promoters, is just giving fighters or teams, and most often the managers and the you know the lawyers, giving them easy nights when they don't really need easy nights. And it's it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't benefit the broadcaster, doesn't benefit the customer, doesn't benefit the promoter, and really doesn't benefit the fighter. Now, there's nothing wrong with suffering a defeat if you're in the right fight and it's competitive and compelling. You'll come again. You know, we see that with the likes of Lee Wood, you know, going through his career. And now, you know, arguably pound for pound, one of the top British fighters. But we are saying to fighters now, and we do have a responsibility to bring them through in the right manner and to give them that education and, and graduation to the tougher fights. But when it's time to pull the trigger, and we all believe, and the training team believes, that this is the right fight, and you're out there trying to get an easy fight that no one wants to see, we're not going to pay for it anymore. Because we don't want to take this. You know, we've got the the misfits. We've got the YouTube boxing. We're under pressure. Mm. One thing we've got, I think, <clears throat> one, one thing we beat them at is the product in the ring, right? And when we get it right, there's nothing like boxing. But we just got to get it right more times than we get it wrong. Sure, and, absolutely. And, that means, and we understand certain fighters at certain stages in their careers, they need those building fights. They're not going to be in 50-50 fights. Mm. But when it's time to pull the trigger... You've got to pull the trigger. Don't be afraid to take the risk. And I'm not talking about 50-50s in every fight, but at least competitive fights. Sure. And, you know, in the, in the past, I think it's a very competitive industry. You know, you've got Sky, you've got us, you've got Frank Warren, you've got these people. So you don't want to lose talent from your stable. But actually, if the price is wrong, or they're not willing to be in the fights that are going to entertain the public and create interest and drive subscribers and put bums on seats, You've got to walk away, well, yeah. the, even the, if you lose a fighter. And the, I think we need to do that now mm, for boxing. Well, I'm the, with the, you the, on the, that one. The, totally with absolutely. you on that. Absolutely. I know it's it's brilliant. I mean, a case in point is the light heavyweight division in the UK. I mean, obviously, we didn't see Dan Aziz and Joshua Boatsy tonight, but given all the other guys in the division... Um, you know, your Craig Richards and your Callum Smith and Anthony Yard. I mean, it, it, re remember tournaments. I mean, the, the eight-man tournament, we could have made one in the UK alone in the last two or three years. But anyway. But Gareth, look at, look at like Wood, Wood Warrington, great example, yeah. right? What a great night. You know, mm. Wood against Condon. You know, even Smith against Eubank. Not some of the second one, but the first one. You know, like the big domestic fights work. Mm. And we've just got to, you know, we've got to do better in making the fights that we want to see. And I think we know the fights we want to see. But having those conversations sometimes, and it's, it's not really the fighters or sometimes even the trainers. You know, a manager's job or an advisor's job is to get the most amount of money for a fighter for the least amount of risk. Mm, mm, right? Yeah. And that, I get that. But we're but the ones paying for it. And the broadcasters on are the ones though, yeah, paying for it. Yeah, and if we yeah. don't make a great product, mm. broadcasters won't put the money in and they'll look at alternative options. And that's what we've seen with Showtime. The sure. cost of yeah. boxing is too much yeah. for the fights that you're making. And mm -hmm. therefore, you're mm -hmm. not delivering viewership. And, you know, we will start getting to a point where, you know, look at the, the numbers that DAZN did last week for KSI against Tommy Fury. You know, DAZN are heavily invested in boxing. 
But if we keep going and YouTube boxing rates much better, and don't forget, these YouTube fighters are making no money. You know, outside mm. of KSI and Tommy Fury, you've got guys who have got 10 million Instagram followers and 5 million YouTube subscribers who are making a quarter of a fighter you've never even heard of. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so we've sure. got to bring the price no. point down unless you're willing to take the risk. You're, you're, you're so right to bring that up. I mean, I was on my way in tonight, I was just thinking about, you know, the old prize fighter tournaments and how brilliant yeah. they were at the time and if there's ever a chance to bring them back. Eddie, a um, couple of things before you go. Um, just short ones. Um, have you got a Bobby Charlton memory or not? Did you ever yeah, meet I mean, him? No, I didn't. Um, I mean, sort of just growing up, just a legend of, of the sport, really. And, you know, I think um, when you look back at the history of English football, is there, you know, he's, he's right up there in terms of the greats. And, um, you know, sad, sad to see, obviously, uh, an icon in not, not just at Manchester United, but in British football. Mm, so, sure. uh, Sad day for English football. Absolutely. And a final one, next weekend, even though it's been roundly criticised, are you going to be watching Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou? Well, I'll be, I'll be in Cancun. We've got the World Super Featherweight Championship. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, but a remarkable <laughs> event. Very interesting as well. I discovered tonight that the British Boxing Board of Control are actually sanctioning that. They're, they're running that event out there. Mm, they so, are. you know, very interesting that the British Boxing Board of Control are sanctioning a fight between a 34-0 and 0, number one heavyweight in the world against a guy that's never laced up a pair of boxing gloves. So, you know, remarkable what money does. But, uh, you know, it'll be an interesting event next week. Straight off the back of Eddie, we were joined by Ben Shalom, who'd had an event at the York Hall Bethnal Green, where his guy, Isaac Chamberlain, had beaten Mikel Lawal to claim the British and Commonwealth Cruiserweight titles. Here's what Shalom had to tell us. I can't believe you're still introducing Spencer as, as the omen. I know. He's, he's, he, yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's not the omen. He's, uh, go, go on then, Ben. What would you introduce me as? Definitely not the omen. Oh, there we go. Spencer, go. definitely not the omen, Oliver. And um, Ben, um, we watched, well, obviously I wasn't there, but um, I watched from the studio, um, our producer, Ed, and uh, Spencer, not definitely not the omen, Oliver, was there with you at the York Hall tonight. Looked like a terrific card, by the way. Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was one of those York Hall classics nights. And uh, yeah, the atmosphere was incredible. I think it was, we it, we had a bit of chaos on the door. Obviously, we had to change everything around in, in 48 hours, but so glad we did. Um, it was incredible in there tonight and some, some unbelievable fights and yeah, just a just a crazy night at the York Hall and, and just what we needed, to be honest. F- fight of the night for me was young Joe Laws and uh, and Mick Hennessy, Michael Hennessy Jr. Wow, that fight could have headlined um, and they could have headlined through the heat they created going into it. I'd like to see more of this. I thought they really helped the promotion, given that obviously Dan Aziz injured his back and and Joshua Boatsy and he didn't fight, and that obviously you had to move it at the eleventh hour to the York Hall. I thought those two were terrific tonight. There were some amazing stories tonight. Obviously, you mentioned Joe Laws, and I actually thought he was so up for the fight. I didn't think he'd be going by the fourth round, but it was an incredible fight. He did. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I feel for Michael Hennessy. He put in everything as well, but it was a, it was a, it was Joe Laws's night, and it just shows in boxing. Doesn't matter how many times you lose, you keep coming back, and and you have your night. And 
Gilly Green for me was fight of the night. I thought yeah. that was absolutely Spencer thought that as well. Incredible. Yeah. Louis, Gre- Louis Green, who got dropped. If you watch that fight back, he got dropped early and managed to go another 10 rounds. It was one of the most brutal fights I've I've seen in a long time and they deserve a lot of credit. It was a, that was a very, very special fight. Ben, that, that, that's what the York Hall does, doesn't it? It brings out the best in fighters and that's what we saw there with Louis Green and Sam Gilly. They pull it all on the line and they and they, they punch themselves to a standstill. That's what the York Hall's all about it's, and that's what we got tonight. It's so hard these days because there's so many opportunities for fighters to find fighters that just want to fight and love to fight and love to be in those 50-50 fights and Louis Green who who's lost a couple of times before he's, he's worked his way back had three knockouts on the run and and comes into tonight and this was his opportunity and uh, just just delivered beyond I could ever expect he was uh, he was unbelievable I know he lost tonight and Sam Gilly was probably feels like he's been in a war and will be hurting tomorrow but these guys they they just love it and they both enjoyed it and they and it's what when when we're sat there afterwards and we're thinking, why can't we see that every week? I think that's what we want. You don't. It doesn't matter how many times you lose. Louis Green will come again. Now the TV promoters want that on their on their shows. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible night. I say, as you say, Joe Laws, Michael Hennessy was a was a great fight. I thought that was a great fight. I thought Carrie Harting store. I've been waiting to see that since she since she turned over. Venom, that's what, Venom that's and Spite. A coming of age fight for Carrie. That was a coming of age fight. Relaxed. I don't think anyone in the division is going to want to fight her. She fought mm-hmm. Vanessa Bradford, who's never been stopped, and she had her down in the first round and finished her off. It was, it it, it was scary, and that's what we want from Carrie since she was so relaxed and, as you say, coming of age tonight. Um, yeah, special special performance. And um, the headliners, of course, the 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 late our headliners, Isaac Chamberlain, Mikel Lawal, Lawal defending his titles. A lot on the line here. Quite a cagey fight. Yeah. Um, but but Chamberlain proving, and very emotionally at the end, that it means so much to him. Yeah, he, he to be honest, he did show his level. He's only ever lost. I, I always have said, Isaac, for me, is one of the most unlucky fighters in that division. He's lost twice, and not with great preparation against Lawrence Okoli and Chris Brillum-Smith, both world champions, and uh, he got his night tonight. Um, so for me, Lowell never got going. It was disappointing. Um, he he never let his hands go. He didn't seem hurt. He didn't seem tired. He just didn't take the fight, you know. Never got out of the box. And, never you know, got out of the and, box, yeah. And I, But Isaac, it was his night, and he's more experienced at mm. this level, and he'll go on now when he gets his opportunity. And again, it just goes back to the, the whole thing is around fighters that can lose and come back as long as you're giving value you always get opportunities and Chris Williams misproved that now a world champion and Isaac Chamberlain who will want to be knocking on the door of Richard Riapp or Chris Smith and, and Lawrence O'Coley now again. And, uh, yeah, I'm delighted for him. As you said, very emotional night for him. Sure. Ben, it was a remarkable show, really, when when you consider that the show looked finished 48 hours ago and you and you put that show on. We didn't know what to expect and every single fight there delivered. And like I said to you, your call really is a magic, magical place that seems to bring the best out in fighters. We just had Eddie Hearn on, actually, and he was talking about um, certain fighters not wanting to take the risk Risks and you know, like they're, they're getting well paid, they're not wanting to take the risks, and he wants to make more 50 50 fights. And was talking about even possibly dropping fighters because of that, because of the fights that he's putting to them and them not wanting to take them. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Like, you know, looking looking forward, you know, trying to push the sport forward. We want more 50 50 fights, we want the fights that you know that 
the public want to see. I mean, do you agree with that, that, you know, that that is the right way to move forward? Yeah, look, I'm always fighter first, and I think it's unbelievable the amount of opportunities. When you've got three broadcasters in this country all putting huge money into the sport, it's fantastic. But what it does, it makes fighters not want to take risks, and it makes fighters think another opportunity is coming. And it's not always. And I think it comes as well from the promoters that when you lose a fight, they still get opportunities. I think there's a fear amongst fighters in Britain that they shouldn't be taking opportunities. Whilst Fidel Riley's coming up to me there, and saying, Ben, forget the next fight. I'm, I want Isaac Chamberlain next. And that's what you want. Mm. And, and and I think I think Eddie's right in that respect. I mean, we don't seem to agree a lot at the moment, but I definitely agree on that. I think um, we, we need to see fighters wanting to fight, but we also need to make sure that fighters that lose have a way back, and that's and that's when we'll see fighters wanting to take more risks. Ben, sure. you, 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 um, the news this week, of course, that you've expanded Boxer out to NBC in the United States, a very big platform there. Congratulations on that. I can ask you about that. But also, yeah. in the same breath, I understand you might be going to Saudi Arabia next week. Are you extending that way as well? Look, we'll see. I think for us... I think back to when I struggled to get any sort of TV deal. We used to run around trying to get Five Spike, ITV4, NBC on Monday. It's been something we've been working on for a while. It's a huge moment, a huge milestone for us. There's a small business that started in Manchester only six or seven years ago. To do a deal like that as the exclusive boxing provider for them worldwide is a, it's a special moment. And, and you want your fighters. I think the job of a promoter is to make sure your fighters are fighting in front of as many people, as many eyeballs as possible. So to be able to now open that up and you think of all the British stars that have done so well over there over the years, Nassim Hamed and all our stars, even, even all our stars Tyson have, Fury. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and they're the ones that have really sort of broken records. And, and so now to be able to say to the likes of Ben Whitaker, to Adam Azim, to Caroline Dubois, the fighters knocking on the door and that want to, that want to take on the pay-per-view mantelpiece, that want to be the stars of the future now that they can they can be broadcast in the US and it gives us an opportunity to go and do shows over there. It's uh, Yeah, it was a, it was an emotional emotional moment for us, to be honest, on, on Monday. It really was. And that went out on NBC tonight, presumably. It um, was. So brilliant. just imagine this, Gareth, though. NBC, they've left boxing. They've had enough. This was five, well, six or seven years ago. We managed to convince them to come in and on Monday they announced a big deal and on Tuesday I'm calling them saying that the main event's off and welcome back to boxing. So it was a wow. it was an interesting it was an interesting start, but they're delighted with tonight. I think um it's uh, it's a long it's a long road, it's a long future and uh, yeah, delighted to have them on board. We we've we've asked everyone um tonight um about Tyson Fury and Francis Garner next weekend. Are you to, oh, can I suggest you're gonna be at that next weekend or not? I'm supposed to be going. We're working it out now with Martin Bacoli. Obviously, he's got a big fight with Carlos Taka. Looking forward um, to that, yeah. And so, yeah, for me, one of the fights on that night. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be a huge show, of course. I think we all know we expect the main event to go one way, but it should be a spectacle. Ward the Adelaide is obviously a great fight. Takam Bacoli is a great fight. I know Joseph Parker's on there as well, who I know well. So yeah. I should be there definitely Friday, Saturday. And, um, I'll see you yeah, there. Looking forward to it. Um, final one. You're a Manchester lad. So Bobby yes. Charlton, a memory? Oh, I'll tell you what. Matt Busby, Sir Bobby Charlton, they are 
they are everything in Manchester. And uh, it almost feels like the end of an era. And he was one of the last, you know, Busby babes. And for, for him to pass away today was, was devastating. He actually got the news on the way to the to the venue. And um, your hearts go out to his, him and his family and everything, everyone at Manchester United as well. It's, uh, it's a terrible day for football. But, um, yeah, what a legacy he leaves behind. Ben, well as always, yes, indeed, well said. As always, amen to that. Rest in peace, Sir Bobby. Uh, ben, safe travels home. Thank you so much for joining me and the undeniable Spencer Oliver tonight. The undeniable. The undeniable. <laughs> I agree right. with that. <laughs> well done, Ben. Speak soon, mate. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Shalom's fighter Isaac Chamberlain joined us soon afterwards to explain about the emotion he felt in the ring and what he's gone through in his career. What a story he is. You were very emotional when you were crowned Commonwealth and British champion, cruiserweight champion tonight. Many congratulations. Talk to us about the emotions in the ring there. It was a lot. You know, I had to persevere through a lot of physical things and mental things. You know, every dog has his day and... You know, the stars felt aligned tonight and I felt good and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out there and box. And even though there were certain injuries I had to just hide and just go through with and I, I just felt great to do it and I'm very grateful for all of this, you know. You didn't let him out of the box really in that fight, if I'm fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had to just use use my abilities to the, to the best I could and I just felt grateful for it, you know. And finally, you know, I can't wait. I'm just going to have a good rest now and just relax with my family and, and, you know, go from there. We, we had your promoter, Ben Shalom, on tonight. It was obviously your fight was also beamed onto NBC in the United States tonight, as well as on Sky Sports. What a great opportunity um, to, to, to project yourself across the pond. Where do you want to go next? We know that there's Richard Reakpour out there. We want to see you in Lawrence uh, Coley again. Chris Billum-Smith, I think, was um, working tonight, was ringside, working yeah. commentary tonight. Where would you like to go next? Oh, Where are you honestly, projecting yourself? Right now, I'm not even thinking about that. I'll see what my manager says and Ben and Mick Hennessy. But right now, I'm just looking to just relax right now, you know. 
Mm. My head is all over the place right now. Yeah, right. Do you know what? There was a lot of emotions between you two in the build-up to the, that one. Isaac wasn't there. I mean, one of you put those emotions aside. Now, how was that after the contest? I thought you boxed brilliantly there, mate. You sort of controlled it and you was winning the rounds. You know, Loal didn't want to give up easily. He was trying to force the pace as well all the time. But, you know, after your setbacks that you had, Lawrence Acoli going back a few years at the O2 Arena, you taking yourself away, rebuilding, becoming a sparring partner for Alexander Ruse, taking yourself over to America and rebuilding and reinventing yourself. I thought that was a career best performance from you with what was on the line. I mean, that was a great performance, mate. That was that was the first thing. But I want to know how are you and uh, Mikel now after the fight? Because there was a lot of emotions in the build-up to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go and see him right now. I literally just got back to the change room just chilling out, you know. Um, it's, I'm just still processing everything, to be honest with you. Mm, sure. Uh, I'm gonna go and uh, I'm gonna go and see him. You know, I spoke to him after, and I was just like, "Listen, all of that stuff in the build-up is just BS. Mm. You know how it goes. We're just playing the game." And uh, I know he's a great fighter, and he can definitely come again because sure. he's one hell of a fighter. You know, um, he has a lot of power in his punches. Sure. I mean, were, were there emotions at the end there in, in that fight? Was that because of what you'd been through, like in your career, where you was like after in that Lawrence after that Lawrence Acoli fight though. A lot of people yeah. have written you off and said, you know what, he's not, he's not the kid that we thought he was. I'm not sure he can do it. But you went and reinvented yourself, mate, and you've mm-hmm. come back. I mean, the Chris Billum Smith fight that you had last year or, mm-hmm. or whatever was an unbelievable fight, and, and yeah, you get, yeah. you pushed him to the wire. But this yeah. again tonight, mate, and you picking up those titles means so much, right? Oh, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. You know, um, when I fought Lawrence, I was about 22, 23. Yeah, of course. I think I just turned 23 years old. Like, it was a lot for me. And... Uh, just going through everything and the story that I've had, it's not like everyone else, you know. Sure. And, uh, but I'm just, I'm just going through with what God has written for me, you know. Mm. I mean, t- tell us a little bit of the story, what you've, the journey that you've been on to get to where you are now. Um, literally, it's a lot. Man. I know, I know, it's you a tough to, one, but I mean, I mean, just give us it, break it down, just give us a little bit so that our listeners can understand yeah. what you've been through outside of what's the ring, really, to get to moment? where you have. What's been the toughest you know, moments I mean, for you? I mean, how I got into boxing. Yeah. Um, I was, um, my mum brought me to the gym because um, there was a lot of knife crime and my cousin got stabbed when he was 15. He was involved in gangs and my mum wanted me to stay out of that street stuff. And um, I just fell in love with the gym. I only had nine amateur fights because my boxing gym, I don't know, there wasn't really focusing on amateur boxing. And um, I had to just get thrown straight into the deep and I wanted to go to the Olympics, but I was, my family was too poor and I didn't want to sell drugs. So we just turned pro early and um, we got chucked straight into the deep end. You know, my third, my fourth, my third fight was against a guy, Ross Henshaw, he was 7-0, and four knockouts. Then straight away after that, my fourth fight was Wadi Kamacho for the Southern Area. I won that and I kept going and I kept going, you know. Then I fought Lawrence in my seventh or eighth fight and I'm this young boy from Brixton. I didn't know about all of this. And my talent took me where I wasn't ready mentally. But now I feel like I'm very, very ready. You know, you know, I had, I had to suffer a lot of personal things after that loss. I came back. I had to rebuild myself. Went to America to rebuild. Came back again. Um, then Mick Hennessy found me. You know, and he thought, you know what? He's a diamond in the rough. Let me invest in him. Let me work with him. And he got me to this stage. You know. Mm. And then we fought Chris Billum Smith. That was a bit too early. If I had a couple more fights, I probably would have got the job done because I nearly had him out of there the last sure. round. Sure. Listen. And, um, it's, it's, it's a lot, but we came back, we moved on again, we kept persistent, and now we're here. British yeah. and Commonwealth Cruiserweight champion. 
Boxing is always a story of rise, survival and redemption and you are one of its great soldiers, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Go and enjoy and we look forward to the next a chapter in your brilliant journey. Thank you, Isaac. Congratulations. So well done, Isaac. Proud of you, mate. Well done. You. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. And finally on this podcast, Spencer, the undeniable Omen Oliver, looked ahead with me to all the heavyweight fights in Saudi Arabia and what we can really expect in terms of jeopardy for Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the former unified world champion in his second reign as king of the heavyweights, introducing the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury! to be on my A game because there's more on the line now than a boxing fight. If I lose to a number one contender or another champion, it's like, well, he lost to a champion, whatever. But if I lose to an MMA guy, I'm never going to be able to show my face in public again. If Fury loses this fight, it would be the biggest upset in heavyweight boxing history. I'm the best at what I do because I'm the most elusive world champion in history. I don't think he can. I don't think anyone can land it on me. That's a fact. And if they do, I'll just get back up. So maybe he's underestimating him and that's about the only chance that I think that Francis Ngannou will have. You're listening to Fight Night and Talks for with me, Gareth and Ava Spencer Oliver, alongside me. Uh, the voices there of Mike Bisping, Carl Frampton, and others talking about the fight next weekend between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou, criticised in some quarters, celebrated in others, notably in the heavyweights camp. We've seen them all out there already, the teams out there. Um, a massive... Um, marketing build-up towards what is going to be an enormous event. There's five other heavyweight fights on the card, and Jack McGann, um, who's mixed, crossed over from mixed martial arts into boxing fighting, Roberto Duran Jr. on that card as well. We'll come to the undercard in the next section, but for now, um, as Carl Frampton said there, and I do agree with him, if Francis Ngannou defeats Tyson Fury... It probably is the biggest upset ever in the history of the heavyweight division. So there is some jeopardy, Spencer, on Tyson Fury going into this. Absolutely. You know, he's putting a lot on the line going into this one because of Francis Ngannou's power. You know, and he's only got to land that one big shot. But yeah, it will be the biggest upset in boxing history. I mean, you look back, you go back to Tokyo 1990, Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson, 40 to 1 underdog. That was considered the biggest upset in boxing history. Well, this would this would wipe the floor with that, with Francis Ngannou having his first boxing match. So, yes, yeah, a huge risk for Tyson Fury. Do I think Ngannou can get near him? Do I think he can win the fight? Absolutely not. I think as an event, it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Mm. You know, everything that the Saudis have put into this one, it's going to be unbelievable. It really is. As a fight, I think it's very one-sided. I think Tyson Fury wins unless... The only guy that can beat Tyson Fury is himself. He goes in there, he makes a fundamental mistake, and Ngannou makes him pay with that big right hand, looping right hand that he's got. But that's all he's got. Tyson Fury is the number one heavyweight in the world right now, and I think we'll go out there, and he'll just go out there and put on a boxing masterclass. Some fascinating things said this week about when mixed martial artists put gloves on. I was speaking to Dan Hardy about this. Obviously, he's commentating out there for TNT Sports next weekend. That 
the 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 punch power of an MMA fighter is different to the punch power of a boxer. And you're we we did it on the train on the way back the other day. Mm-hmm. You were to, you were showing me about rotation and balance and heel where the heels are where 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 how you rotate through your feet for a hook um, uh, a counter hook all these mm-hmm. different things how you're rotating and talking your body and MMA fighters tend not to use that footwork to punch because they've looked at Muay Thai is very different the way that their stance yep. is so the, the the trajectory through a body is different with a, from a boxer because of what they're doing with their lower body Absolute, as well absolutely the shuffling the movement. <laughs> Absolutely, it's all—it's all about like. Listen, with like Francis Ngannou, he goes down. I think he's in the record books for the the, the hardest single punch in history. Greatest power, greatest yeah. power yeah. in history. Well, listen, you've got to be in range to land that shot. And with a boxer, you know that, that, that fluidity, especially someone like Tyson Fury, who may decide to box all moves, he may, move may like decide to box yeah. as a southpaw. You know, he moves like a middleweight. He's very light on his feet, and like he will. Um, nullify everything that Francis Ngannou does mm. so he'll control the distance if he's controlling the distance he's controlling the pace and he's deciding when, he, when it happens smashing the microphone getting your hands going yeah I'm getting excited aren't I I'm getting really excited you but, know, but, listen, listen I love these big events don't you it, you know, of course I'm going there tomorrow I'm heading out there I'm really looking forward to it <laughs> yeah. um, no because it's they're, it's they're having grand arrivals and a workout oh, in the boulevard there then they're going to have um, the undercard press conference and a press conference then they've got the weigh-in day. Then they've got big dinner, banquets on the night before the fight. Then they've got, you know, an event, then a second event, and like a Super Bowl, this is what I understand, a Super Bowl-style uh, music event in the middle of it all. You know, it's all being specially built. I mean, mm. it's going to be an extravaganza. We can see that from the adverts on the Sphere in Las Vegas, from the posters that have been everywhere, the, the, the just the just the the care that's been taken to really promote it. And as I say, and we'll talk about it in a minute, the five other heavyweight fights on the card. There's some Brammers on there as well. And as David Adelaide was saying to me last week, and we'll hear from him in a minute, I was speaking to David at the press conference in London last week on Tuesday, and he was saying, I've sparred probably 200 rounds with Tyson Fury, and until you step in there, you just don't realise how awkward he is as well. So Nagano's going to be dealing with the awkwardness of Fury as well. Here's what I think. Back me up on this or shoot me down as you normally do. Um, for four rounds, Naganu might be quite dangerous. But then I think the big arms and the legs will begin to tire because he'll have to stay focused. And I think Fury takes over mm-hmm. by about four rounds. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Fury stop him and play with him by about five or six rounds yeah. and end the fight. Listen, you just told me to shoot you down. I've just loaded my gun, my friend, because I don't think it'll be competitive for four rounds. I think that Tyson Fury will go out there, he'll do as he pleases, he'll control things for maybe two or three rounds, and then whenever he decides to step it up, he will step it up and he'll finish the contest. That's the way that I see it. He may want to put on a show for the fans and for all the people that are are watching, but I think that this is Tyson Fury will completely control this. Well, I'm hot-footing it out of here to Saudi Arabia and I will be sending reports back through the week. Spencer Oliver, Adam Catterall and the Romford Bull, Johnny Fisher, will be back here at TalkSport Towers giving you updates from the Battle of the Baddest. All those heavyweight fights finalising with Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou on Saturday night. Don't miss them. Don't miss us. Subscribe to all our boxing channels, the YouTube channel, 
Listen to all the shows. There's so much going on. We are the home of boxing. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.